But we're going to change focus now. We're going to continue our conversation about uh, development and football development in South Africa. Last week we spoke to uh, Coach Kwanele Kopo. Uh, we couldn't get through everything we wanted to discuss with the coach. We spoke more, mainly about his journey. And uh, I think uh, this evening we just want to talk about uh, more of the technical aspects when it comes to uh, development and we can pick the coach's brain here. Coach, good evening and thanks again for being able to speak to us tonight on SAFM. Uh, good evening, Tavisov, and uh, good evening to your listeners. Thank you for, for the opportunity. Thank you, Coach. There was so much positive reaction even after the show when we spoke to you, so we had to do it again. And I want us to pick a, to, to, to pick off, pick up where we left off um, last week. I You've worked with a number of youngsters. You've worked with the youth teams. I mean, when your super sport youngsters, your under-15s, your under-17s, take part in these youth tournaments, for example, coach, how big is the difference between your group and, let's say, a local team from, from Northwest or from the Northern Cape that doesn't have these, uh, these structures that you guys have? Um, I think um, with a lot of amateur teams, the difference is big. Um, there are some amateur teams that are doing well that can compete with, with PSL teams, but it becomes a once-off issue of competition. But, um, you know, when you compare kids at the academy that are training much more than the kids at an amateur club that are receiving uh, the kind of expertise from, from the qualified coaches that they have, and then in other services, you know, like a, a full-time fitness trainer, mm. uh, following a proper um, eating diet, um, the, the 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 level of training that they are getting from from coaches, um, and then with us at SuperSport having had partnerships, obviously, with uh, Dutch teams in the past, uh, English team Tottenham Hotspurs. There's a lot of that that is still in our in our curriculum at the academy. Mm. A, a lot of that knowledge gained from then is still in our curriculum. So I would say generally, um, uh, the gap from an education perspective. The gap is 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 quite big, but sometimes uh, people look uh, at the match on a weekend, and maybe you play an amateur team and you only beat them one nil, and then a lot of people will say, ah, the gap between the academy and the amateur team is not that big. Mm-hmm. But you know that's why I say sometimes a match result is a once-off um, uh, issue where if you had to play that team ten times you'd probably beat them eight out of the ten times, you know? Mm. And then I, I always say the measure of, of success with academies is, is the players that go on to progress. Uh, because a lot of the times, uh, especially with our club at Supersport, we play very young players uh, in, in tournaments of a higher age group. It's like even in the MTC at the moment, mm. we've got a lot of kids that are born 2003. Uh, we, we've had a kid that has played full games who was born 2004. Um, you know, he's made his debut at uh, at 15. Mm. Um, uh, last year, I took a team to Bay Hill. Uh, the average age was 16 years. Mm. Uh, you know, people were saying to me, I'm crazy. I think I brought five 15-year-olds, and two of them scored at the Bay Hill Under-19 tournament. So the, the big result at the end of the day is the players that progress to go on and play professional. And how then maybe do we address these challenges between the amateur clubs and the academies to make sure that the boys and the girls at under-17 level or under-15 level in the country are on the same level? Is it possible to get everybody to the same level first? Um, I think from an education perspective, it, 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 
it's possible to close the gap. It, it might not be at the same level, but it, it might be possible to close the gap. And in saying that, I will build on, on, on what I said uh, last week about professional clubs doing more with amateur teams. Yes. Because if, if, um, if Kwanela Kopo, for example, who's at Supersport United, can have uh, coaching workshops with, with coaches that are working at amateur clubs regularly uh, and give them uh, the knowledge uh, uh, of what we are doing at Supersport, of what I'm doing as a coach, of the type of training. Yes, different coaches might not execute it the same, but that level of expertise at least helps those coaches to know which areas to focus on, how to approach certain uh, trainings, uh, how to approach certain, how to introduce certain concepts. And what that does it, is that it helps us in the academy in that when a kid comes in now, he comes in better prepared than if they did not have that knowledge at all. So a sharing of ideas, I think, is, is one thing that would probably help bring, especially from a technical perspective, mm. it will help bring the level of amateur teams up because it's not, it's not always about facilities and money. It's not always about that. Yes, those play a big role. But when we go and we find a, a, a talented kid in the township, you know, he's talented. The hours is going to be to polish it. But sometimes the same coaches in the townships are polishing these players. In the past, there were no academies, mm. but there were players that were progressing to go on and play professionally. Yes, maybe they were not as, they might not have been as fully prepared as people say we are preparing players now, but there is someone that was educating them. So there are coaches out there we just need to enhance their knowledge. And sometimes qualifications are important, but I think what we do practically, it's not always in a coaching course. You know, the coaching course is the guide of the principles and what you need to do. But what we do practically is also based on experiences and relationships that we've gained from uh, other clubs, international partners, international coaches, uh, and exposure also to international practice as individual coaches. You mentioned your partnership as Supersport with, uh, with the Dutch clubs and the Tottenham. How do you measure the success of, of that partnership? I think I, I would say the Dutch one was, was, was uh, highly successful. Uh, why? Because when we had a partnership with Feyenoord, they basically brought in a technical director, which is uh, Nicola Boom. And we, I think <clears throat> we spent about eight months, around eight months, just on scouting to find the first generation, um, the generation of Kamu, the generation of Zongo, Kemi Terasmas. It took about eight months with um, uh, Coach Nico together with Coach Godfrey, who was um, working for the academy also at that time, is still at the academy, that they traveled around the country to tournaments, to private trials that we had organized. And then it took about eight months just to put that group together. When that group was put together, then they were coached by uh, Nico and Godfrey. So the group of Kemitan then, they gained five years of coaching experience uh, directly from the Dutch. That was the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing was, in those five years, they regularly got exposure to to training in Holland. So in the five years, they traveled every year to Feyenoord in Holland, either to play in a tournament or for training experience. And they actually participated in a few tournaments um, in, in, in Holland, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was... After that five years, that Feyenoord actually had identified five players. Um, Chato Mukeke had an opportunity to go and play uh, at Excelsior in, in, in Holland. Uh, 
Kemite Rasmus went and went to Excelsior first. Kamu went also to Excelsior before going to Feyenoord. Uh, Pilani Kuela, who came from KwaZulu-Natal, also went to Excelsior. So four of the five players went and actually spent some time in Holland. I remember when we had a partnership with, um, when we went from Feyenoord and then we moved on to have a partnership with uh, Tottenham. We went to play in an under-17 tournament, Fasserfeld tournament in Holland, and we actually played against uh, Pilani Kuela, who was <laughs> a player that had been at our academy. Mm. And at that time, he was playing for Feyenoord. So he played in the Feyenoord under-17 team, and uh, Kamu was uh, in the team that we had come with, which was the Supersport Tottenham uh, under-17 side at that time. So the training that they received, that came directly from the Dutch. The exposure in terms of training to go to Holland, uh, the tournaments that they played in, and that enabled them to go on and play um, in, in the youth teams for, for Feyenoord. Um, just like Ajax is doing with the relationship with, uh, with Ajax Cape Town, that these players go in there because up until the age, I think up until 21, they can go and play in Holland. But where the catch come, came in in Holland is that when they turn 21, then the club has to decide whether they are signing them fully for the professional team or not. And then the, the cost of what they have to play, the, of the salary, goes up drastically for what they have to pay the player. Mm. And out of the kids that we had sent there, I think they were quite happy with, um, with Kamu. And that's why he lasted the longest in Holland. But all the others came back. I mean, Tato is still playing professional football. Mm. And Kemit is still playing professional football. So the relationship was quite beneficial. But also for us as coaches, you know, that we were able to go to Holland and, uh, and learn in... Um, what was basically international practice from them. And then that's, that has been a major contributing factor, especially to myself and Godfrey, who are the people that were there at that time and still at the academy at the moment. Coach Godfrey Muswetsa, of course, uh, that he's talking about, still there at Supersport United after all these years, looking after those youngsters, uh, Coach Godfrey. Let's go to a few voice notes for those who've just joined us. We are having a second part of our conversation about youth football and development with Coach Kwanela Kopp. Greetings to you, Pratabis and to Coach Kopo. I am Siabonga from King Williamstown, Eastern Cape. Uh, Coach, last week you spoke about creating networks with coaches like me in the amateur level. Coach, now I'd like to ask you how can we create those relations with you? For example, now I have three players, two 13-year-olds and one 14-year-old, which I would like you, Coach, or Supersport United to look at. But the problem, Coach, I don't know how to get hold of you or any professional team. How can I get hold of you, Coach? Evening, dear member. Tudan here from Holland. Thanks for bringing Mr. Kopp again this week. Condolences to the Golden Arrows and the family of Ngwengu. Can you please ask the coach there, what is a super sport player when it comes to you? Someone who's 14, 15, what are they looking for so that the player can be signed for super sports? Great stuff. Thanks, uh, guys. Good questions there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, Coach, and we'll let you answer this um, these questions after this break. You. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. Before we go to more voice notes, let's just get the coach to answer these two questions. I'll start from the bottom, Coach. What do you look for in a super sport player? What do you look for in a player when you go around the country looking at these youngsters? I think the... The, the, the first thing is uh, football ability. You know, um, others would call it technical ability. 
Um, so technical ability is basically what the player is able to do with the ball. You know, um, he's passing, uh, he's dribbling, um, you know, different things, receiving and everything that he's able to do with the ball, that's that's called technical. And then, and then you've got to look at his insight. Insight is uh, the decisions that he makes, you know. Um, when the ball is in a particular area of the field, how does he make himself available? Um, how does he help the team in terms in possession? How does he contribute to attack, depending on what position he plays also? Um, you, 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 you look at his awareness, you know, also out of position, what is his behavior? Out of possession, when the team doesn't have the ball, what is his behavior? Um, uh, you, look at, you look at the personality, the personality of the player, you know, easy... Is he, is he a fighter? Is he a go-getter? Does he take uh, initiative? Does he show confidence on the field? Is he a communicator? Is he speaking? Um, at times, you also look at the, the, the athlete, uh, the prospects of the athlete, you know? Mm. Um, uh, what is his contribution physically in the game? And, and, and whenever I talk about physical, sometimes people uh, think that we're looking for big players and all that. No, no, no. Physical has got a lot of aspects, you know? Physical... Is endurance capacity physical can be speed, um, so there's a lot of things that encompass physical. It's not necessarily size. We, we've got a lot of short players, but I think that that sums it up because it, it becomes very difficult to explain other things um, uh, because different scouts. Sometimes you've got an innate, you know. Sometimes you've got a feel. Mm. You see these qualities, and you've just got a feel about a player in in the characteristics that you see with the player. And so a lot of the times when we go scouting, I always get asked that question. What do you look for? Mm. And sometimes when you answer it and you say football ability and all that, and then people say, but this boy is good. Look, coach, he's dribbling and all that. So when we talk about football ability at Supersport, um, Coach Caetano in the first team, normally post-match interviews, he'll always talk about effective players. Mm. And it's a concept that we, we adopted from our, part, uh, from our partnerships in the past in Europe, that we are looking for effective players. Do they contribute in terms of scoring goals, creating goals, or stopping goals? I think that is one thing that has been maybe unique with us, that we've documented that at the end of all these other qualities, when we do an assessment on the player, at the end of all these other qualities, we ask the question, does he score goals, does he create goals, does he stop goals? And we feel that as a club, he needs to tick at least two of those three boxes for us to take him. There are a lot of talented kids out there, very skillful players, that at times you find that they do not pick any of those boxes because he dribbles and then he loses the ball. Uh-huh. And you know the crowd goes crazy and all that. So, But that's, that's basically, as a club at Supersport, uh, that's basically what we're looking for. And I think it's common with a lot of other clubs, uh, but the uniqueness of us is more on personality also and what I'm talking about, the effectiveness of the player. Let me go to the lines before I let you answer the other question. We've got Colin on the line. I believe he's got an important question about schools football. Good evening, Colin. Thanks for calling us. Good evening, oh, I had to have a bit of a sort of a grin to myself when your guest, uh, I'll let your guest. Good evening to your guest. Good evening, sir. Um, when they dribble the ball, they dribble the ball so much that <laughs> the they lose and they look like a, they look like a fool afterwards. And the crouch they stop, is. <laughs> stop keeping an eye on the ball and the other halfway up, and you get rid of it as soon as possible. But we hang on too long, our guys. <laughs> you know what I wanted to talk about mm. is to, um, you know, I played um, under twelve mm-hmm. you know, at school, and uh, they uh, well, we had a soccer teacher and a cricket teacher, 
a gymnastic teacher and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't, they were teachers, but uh, they knew their sport. And I joined soccer. And when they discovered the guys that wanted to play soccer, we were issued with a, a book, a soccer book, how to play soccer. Mm-hmm. How your position, what's your number, your position, and things like that, how to pass, how to get rid of the ball, and so and so, all tips. Now, I, I don't know uh, if schools should adapt something like that. Okay. You know what I mean? Under 12, yeah. Yeah. and then you, you go into high school, you continue your soccer. Then you have a club. Then you, when you leave the high school, you join a soccer club. Like in a Cape Year, we used to have yeah. oh, hundreds and hundreds of clubs. As you left school, you had a choice. Go to Maitland, go to Belleville, go to... So you're saying Bam- it started at schools first, Colin? That's correct. Start at school. Uh-huh. And you know something? Um, if you've got about three, four years of playing soccer at school, it's so in you that you, you are so um, keen to continue the sport. Mm. You see? Okay, and no. there you go and join a club. Great. We've got that, Colin. Thanks for that. Coach KK, there's been a lot of debate about uh, schools football uh, with a lot of the former players always tell us that they came through the school's football uh, system and it's not the same as it was uh, back in the day. Where do you stand in this debate? Uh, Without being controversial. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I think if we look at the the olden days, there were no academies. Mm -hmm. Um, And first of all, there were no academies. Um, and the a lot of the teachers that we had at school were also soccer coaches. They might not have been qualified, sure. but they were soccer coaches. So when when we went to school, uh, the teacher that was teaching you maths or Isitosa, I come from Eastern Cape, for example. Mm. Uh, afterwards, he would be on the field and coaching you on football. But you would find that the teacher somehow is also involved at a club. You know, I remember when I came to Varsity at um, at Vets at Vets University, mm-hmm. and I played for the student team at Vets, and we played against um, um, uh, there's a college. Uh, Helman Kelele was playing there. Helman mm-hmm. Kelele, Joseph Ngaike, uh, Etienne Dung, and Zunda. They played for Orlando Pirates. Mm. Uh, I forget the name of the college, and they had. Um, a coach that was called, uh, uh, we used to call him Mesho. I think he's involved in a different sporting code now. I, I met him doing a different sporting code. Mm. But but those were teachers that were involved in in football outside the schooling environment. Mm-hmm. The, 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 probably the first academy, you know, my according to my knowledge, the first popular academy that was there became the School of Excellence. And during the time of the School of Excellence, Professional clubs also did not have academies. And I think hence there was a greater demand of players from the School of Excellence. But I think with academies coming in, what is happening now is that sometimes people think that because there's academies, uh, these kids are not at school. These kids that are in academies are at schools. But I think maybe the challenge is the organization of school competitions. Because if you remember, uh, at the Academy of Supersport, we were associated with Rosina Sidibane Sports School. Yes. And Rosina Sidibane was doing well in school competitions. We even won the Metropolitan Cup and we went to play the Schools World Cup. You know, uh, Clapham is doing well at the moment because Sundowns is associated with Clapham. All the Sundowns kids, on, or a majority of them are going to Clapham. 
and then there's been a rise of of um, of sports schools also. But I don't think that a school sport is as strong, even from an organization perspective, as it used to be before. So I would agree from that perspective. Mm. And secondly, I also do not believe, that's my own personal opinion, I don't believe that the teachers that are teaching at school now are of the same nature, sporting-wise, to the teachers that were teaching us or the older generation when they were at school. So what you find now is a lot of the teachers are just teachers. There isn't that sporting element. Where in the past, the teachers were also coaches of an amateur club or what. So they were able to do that dual responsibility. But I think more can be done in the organization of sports competitions um, so that these kids can play more at school. But what's going to happen is that we will find them as academies and we take them as academies and suddenly they go to the schools that we assign them. So what you see is a dominance of academy schools in school competition. That is what has risen in the last five to eight is a dominance of a super sport through Rosina Sidibane, uh, a sundowns through Clapham. Uh, Harmony has got, uh, uh, they, they have a school, Virginia. Yes, Virginia. In, in, in Fresh State, you know. Mm. So that is what has happened, that the academies that are attached with schools, those schools have become a force. And the other schools have suddenly gone down the ladder because the training is not at the level as it used to be before. Uh-huh. Is it the Soweto College? Because Hellman, when he was here, he told us yes, he got a I teacher's so, diploma. Yes. 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 Soweto College. He told yeah. us he had a teacher's diploma from the Soweto College at yes. Midnight Express. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've got yeah. another caller from Centurion. Taban, good evening. Hey, Rachel, fine, thanks. Fine, member, thanks, member. Go ahead, member. Hey, man, you've got a good guy, man. My concern now is that, Kopo, uh, 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 how do we balance South African football and the way you want your boys because I've attended of, uh, several training of super sport juniors. Uh, but remember, what I can tell you, those boys are so focused like mm. senior team. They don't mm. allow them to make mistakes, silly mistakes. So I want to know because at the end of the day, in terms of playing super sport, the way super sport young boys are training, it's like a first team. So I want to know how do you balance that? How do you balance our flavor, Cassie right. football? Okay. And Thanks, Tabang. I know exactly what you're talking about. I was at one game last year or the year before at Tux when uh, Coach Copos and the 17s were leading 5-6-1, 5-6-0, and they considered a goal. And he was so unhappy that they were conceding, even though they were winning 5-6-0. And he told them why he was unhappy and what led to, to that goal. So I know what you're talking about. How do you find the balance, Coach? Uh, between he so says between our game. between the way of playing South African football and just the way that football is played in Europe where it's more tactical and technical uh, instead of just the flair only um yeah it's a, it's a difficult question eh? but I think I think if you look at if, if you know football sometimes we tend to complicate uh, football football is about at the end of the day it's about scoring goals you need to score more than the opponent that's what you need to do at the end of the day. And I think a lot of the times with us in South Africa, we are more excited about the skill and not the end product. And the focus a lot of the times in Europe is that the skill or the dribbling must have an end product, you know? And I think um, there are other areas that we need to develop in terms of uh, the capacity of our players also to to, to, to compete um uh, not just physically, but also psychologically. But I think from a performance perspective and from a results perspective, you, 
you can play, we can play a passing game where you're building up from the back and playing through the zones and dribbling in one versus one situations or dribbling to get out of trouble. But the most important thing is what is the end product? You know, mm. um, people would rather go, which I understand, people would rather go and watch the December tournaments. Mm. Why? Because there is a lot of dribbling, which is entertainment, you know. But you, you find that sometimes some of the most skillful teams, player, uh, teams that have the most skillful players in some of the tournaments, some of them don't win the tournament. But people will still be happy. And I think what is happening in football globally is that the business part of football is being taken seriously by the European nations or by other countries outside, uh, in, outside our borders. And therefore, there is a greater emphasis on the end product. You know, it's like when I talk about effectiveness, um, how effective is a player? There are people that will say, uh, I've got a striker. Sometimes people phone me and they say to me, I've got a striker coach. Mm. Uh, and, and they try to explain his qualities to me over the phone. You know, mm. hey, coach, he can make a pass, he can dribble. But no one is saying to me, he scores 30 goals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, where you expect that, the main function is that he scores 30 goals. Or somebody will say, I have a defender, he can hit a 40-meter pass. Uh, coach, he's very comfortable on the ball. That is all very good. But at the highest level, the first function of the defender is to defend. So mm-hmm. is he able to defend? And uh, so I think when we begin to break football down into those elements and bring into the flair of the game to bring the end result, that o- on at that, the end of the day we yes. must win. On that note, Coach, why do we have so many central midfielders here in South Africa? Because I mentioned last week that when I attend trials at Supersport, most of them are central midfielders. They all pack that midfield. Yeah, uh, without offending them, most of them think they are central midfielders. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because uh, I think it, it, it builds to what we're talking about in terms of what are we appreciating as a nation. Um, if, if I had to ask, who are the most popular players at the moment in the league and what position do they play? Mm. Uh, Lodge, what position does he play? Midfield. Why mm. is he popular? Because he dribbles. Mm. Um, Shini at Sundowns. You know, these, these, are, these are players that when you go to the township and the small kids are playing, uh, they, they are the next lodge, they are the next machine. Which, there is nothing wrong with that. Mm. But if we go back to, 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 to the olden times, you know, uh, when I watched football on TV and I saw Teenage Laza, mm. he dribbled, but there was an end product. Oh, and I think that is what you're beginning to see even with those players now. That is what we're beginning to see a lot more with lodge. This is not the same lodge that necessarily played at, uh, I think it was at FCK Town. Yeah. You know, he has grown Kept in his game. Skills. You can see uh, how many shots he's having in a game, how how direct he is a little bit more. He's using his skill to penetrate and go forward. You look at him, Shini, how he's improved in terms of scoring goals. So I think a lot of the players, at uh, one, one of the aspects could be that the most popular players are midfielders, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, before Lodge, it was Teko Modise, it was Shaba, it's all midfielders. Why? Because of that entertaining element. But I think also there could be other factors in terms of uh, the availability of fields to play in the township. Because there's very few areas now where you can find fields with big goals. Mm. So when kids do not play on fields with big goals, where do they play? They play on the street. And when they play on the street, what type of game do they play? They play one pile. You know that one where you just put a brick? One brick. Now to score on that brick, you have to dribble. You can't (laughs) shoot from 30 meters to score on that brick. So... How do you find your way 
you dribble to that break, which is, is good. But now we need to take that and put it on the bigger field and give it context in terms of the big goals. For the sake of time... That's the adaptation. Yes, there was a question about how do these coaches, if they have players around the country, they want to bring them to these professional clubs, how do they link with these clubs? I'm sure you get a lot of those questions. Yeah, we do. Uh, And, uh, I mean, there is a website at uh, Supersport. Uh, There's numbers also for the office. But it's very difficult to, to reach everybody, to be honest. And I always try and say to people... Don't look always at Supersport or at the feathers teams, but also try uh, in terms of the teams that are close by. You know, you are in Eastern Cape, there is Chipa, there is some ABC Motsipe teams. If a kid is talented and he plays at levels where he can get exposure, we will find him, you know. But you can contact Supersport, but you can imagine, if I get a thousand calls, how do I decide which ones come mm. and which ones don't come? So sometimes we base the decision, we base the decision on the reliability of the scout that is phoning us uh, or added information maybe from other people that support that scout. But generally, I would say to people, keep trying, uh, don't give up, but also try the teams that are closer because maybe those teams can be the teams that give him the platform. Okay, we're going to have to leave it there, folks. Uh, Coach Kwanele Kopa, we might have to call him again because now the voice notes are coming and we have to go to news. Thanks, Coach, for joining us. Thanks for your insight. Lovely, wonderful picking your brain, but we have to go to news now.